0: Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 324 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. This episode is called Mixed Bag. It is September 10, 2021, and this is Jen. So I've got a whole bunch of things to talk about uh, in this show that are kind of sort of related, but aren't all the same thing. So I called it Mixed Bag, like I don't know, trail mix or something, I guess. You know, something like that. Um, I'm going to start out with uh, very briefly going over my week in gaming. And I'm still playing Diablo 3. I finally got my Barbarian to level 60. And that means I'll be able to like push farther through the season journey after that. It's up on YouTube. It's also on Book of Gen, if you want to check it out there. And that's all I have to say about that. Shazam is back with Hearthstone to Hell, episode number 29, which came out on September 6th, and he talks about why he hasn't put out a podcast since want to say July and all the stuff that happened while he was gone and let me tell you he went through some really horrible circumstances and I'm it had to do with not being able to stay in his apartment and trying to get a house and I'll let you listen to his episode to hear all the details but holy moly that was a lot of garbage he had to go through just to get all that done but he's back and his podcast is still on I just listened to it right before I started recording this episode of Shattered Soulstone. There's a person on Twitter that goes by Tanya Bayer Cosplay, and she has a photo. Of her Lilith Diablo 4 cosplay. And she made the costume and she did the makeup herself. And it's phenomenal. And I've uh, retweeted this into most of the stuff I've got today. Stuff I retweeted into the Shattered Soulstone Twitter. So you can find it there. But you'll also get it all in the show notes at ShatteredSoulstone.com. But this costume is amazing. It looks like you could walk onto a movie about... Diablo stuff in this costume, and no one would think it was, you know, I mean, it looks that good. It looks extremely professional. So it's super cool. Go check that out. I was pretty impressed with it. On September 7, there's a blue post by Pez Radar, who is a community manager for Diablo 2 Resurrected and various other things, I'd assume. I think if you're a community manager, it's not necessarily just for one part of it, but anyway. Uh, the post is titled Diablo 2 Resurrected Console Lobbies, comma. TCP slash IP, comma, and UW updates. So here's some of the stuff that he wrote in the uh, post. It's a little bit long, but um, I'll read you some of it. He writes, Hi all, when making games, there are certain realities development teams need to face when confronted with dilemmas that impose on the gameplay experience. For this remaster, two of our core principles are protecting the authenticity of the original Diablo 2 experience and making it more accessible in this modern age. Our goal is to honor this timeless classic while also opening it to a new generation of players. So, keeping that in mind as we approach the launch of Diablo 2 Resurrected, we wanted to take this opportunity to share some insight on a handful of in-game features we revisited following the technical alpha and beta events. So The first part is called Console Lobby Slash Chat Update. During the early access beta, we identified and fixed a bug preventing console players from grouping up in multiplayer. As we progressed, this system was working as intended for the open beta during our testing, and when we modernized the Diablo 2 experience for the console, we designed the game so players didn't have to rely on lobbies to play with others. Instead, players can invite their friends into their game directly, or utilize the party finder to join up alongside other players with similar objectives. With that said, over the past couple of weeks we've seen many discussions and expressed concern over the difficulty of joining the appropriate games based on a player's current activities. In beta, finding other parties on console was confined to a few conditions. For example, if the player was on an identical quest as you with a similar character level and the same difficulty, you could join into that player's multiplayer session. For modes such as PvP or the cow level, console lobbies don't prop until you hit a few minimum requirements. For PvP players, you need to reach level 9. For the cow level, players need to complete that challenge on their own first. For these two modes, once those conditions have been met, console lobbies of those activities become visible for those players. There is also a free roam option players can opt into if no quest is selected. There is no quest restriction, but players that share similar levels and identical difficulty will be able to share a multiplayer session. A lobby is automatically converted to free roam once a player's character completes the initial quest that a lobby started as in that multiplayer session. Following the beta, we've seen many console players requesting more options to better navigate activities in, multi- in multiplayer. We've added bosses and zones tabs to the party finder so players can better coordinate on that front alongside the pandemonium event uber diablo event and pvp slash dueling some console players have also requested the option to create custom lobbies that is not a feature we're supporting at launch but as we progress we'll continue to monitor feedback on this topic after the launch of diablo 2 resurrected and here's some stuff that they're um they were able to let's see Uh, It's a breakdown of additional parameters players will be able to sort by in the party finder at launch beyond the quest options that were present during beta. So for boss kills, uh, for Andariel it requires Act 1 completion, for Duriel it requires Act 2 completion, Mephisto Act 3 completion, Diablo Act 4 completion, Bale Act 5 completion, and the Cow King Act 4 or 5 completion depending on classic or expansion character. For zones, uh, free roam, there's no requirement. You know, off you go. Tristram requires nothing. That's literally what it says. Requires nothing. Canyon of the Magi uh, Tombs requires Act 1 completion. Chaos Sanctuary requires Act 2 completion. skin, Act 4 completion. Maggot Lair requires Act 1 completion. There's a Pandemonium Event, which requires Act 5 completion. Uber Diablo requires Act 5 completion. PvP and Dueling requires Level 9. They're also talking about the chat functionality on Console. We designed the game to be the best experience on each platform you play. For console, the primary way for players to communicate is through native voice chat on their platform, so we're not making any changes on that front. But we'll continue to monitor feedback to see if it remains a prevalent area of concern for our players. If so, we'll explore making changes or adding more functionality to the in-game chat system post-launch. As for me, I will be playing it on a console... And I don't want to go into a chat with anybody. I just want to play it by myself. Maybe uh, record some of it or little pieces of it or whatever if I can figure out how to do that. Um, I'm not someone who wants to jump in with random strangers in a video game anymore. So there's that. But if you're someone who is into that, it looks like if you're playing on a console that you can just use the voice thing on, their pl- on whatever console you're using and you know talk to people while you play. I'm sure it'll work for some just not for me. There's a TCP slash IP support. We initially announced the removal of TCP IP support in our beta blog, noting that this functionality would not be present in the beta or the final game. We want to take this time to share our insight on why we removed this feature. Following the technical alpha, we learned that this functionality was enabling significant security-related issues to our game. We're aware that removing this feature adds a large hurdle for talented multiplayer modders in our community. Still, our priority is to keep this game's Ecosystem as secure as possible for all of our players. Despite this change, a form of modding will still be possible, and there's some details in there if that's something you want to do. Ultra-wide support changes. Ultra-wide monitor support being modded was a subject we saw heavily discussed across our channels following the beta. In the technical alpha, players with ultra-wide hardware saw their full uh, 21.9 screen utilized during that test. However, during that test, we identified limitations affecting those players and others. For example, the AI failed to sense the player and trigger attacks. Furthermore, players with 21.9 monitors were able to pull many more monsters into a battle at a range limit beyond. Beyond the original game's intention. In a scenario where players, for example, playing a ranged class were attacking monsters, players with nine monitors could hit enemies with the extra screen space, but the monsters would not pull or react, but could still be defeated. Ultimately, the AI doesn't register getting a hit from that uh, additional distance a nine monitor provides. That's not intended, especially if you're sharing a game with a 16.9 user. To protect the integrity of everyone's experience and promote an equal playing field for all, Those with ultra-wide monitors will be able to have their game screen purview extend to 19.9, the maximum length of the in-game limitation zones, with a vignette on the sides of the game screen. We recognize that players have spent a lot of money to assemble their 21.9 hardware setups, and seeing black bars may be frustrating for their experience, so we'll continue to watch these discussions and explore possible solutions that don't change how the game is played. Those of you that participated in the beta event, we appreciate your time and feedback in making Diablo II Resurrected a better experience for those at launch. Um, They're going to add new dedicated forums for the Diablo II Resurrected community to continue to discuss the game and share their experiences. And uh, that's pretty much it from there. So that's a lot of stuff. Some of that may affect you. Some of it may not. There's, um, last episode I talked about Diablo coming to Hearthstone, which seemed really weird to me, but okay. So there's an artist uh, for Blizzard named uh, Jerry M, is what he's going by, and he wrote on Twitter, got a chance to paint up the Lord of Terror for Hearthstone's upcoming Mercenaries game mode, and it's really, really good. It's the uh, Diablo 3 version of Diablo. People have called Femme Diablo or something... Maybe it's not quite that. Maybe it's before that. Maybe it's the older one, but it's really good and it's got depth to it. And it looks like if you just if someone just showed you this art, you'd be like, "Oh, that's a Diablo game," you know, something from a Diablo game or uh, art of a Diablo game. But it's it's for Hearthstone, which is kind of blowing my mind in some ways. But it's really good, so check that out as well. Again, everything will be linked in the show notes. Following uh, a better uh, er, a better Blizzard. ABK something like better ABK that that group that's trying desperately to get Blizzard to do the right thing for its workers there's also a better Ubisoft and um, there is an article uh, let's see so there's a tweet that they highlighted that a better Ubisoft highlighted from games industry and the tweet says Ubisoft names Riders Republic creative director chief creative officer as employee group criticizes lack of diversity in editorial leadership And so a better Ubisoft has made a statement on that. Uh, We have the following statement in response to appointment of Igor Manso as CCO of Ubisoft and I'll read you a little bit of that. We look forward to, let me make out sure the whole thing. We look forward to working with the C, new COO, Igor Manso, to create a better Ubisoft and hope that he is willing to work closely with employees and ERGs to do this. We also hope we will finally see a meaningful response to the demands made by over 1,000 of his colleagues from him. We point him back to the letter signed by over 1,000 current and former colleagues and to our reply to Vez's response, which makes clear what we want to discuss with him. We can only trust that his application and appointment were done so under intense scrutiny due to the actions of his predecessor. However, those actions need to be addressed and we will hope to see Igor taking meaningful steps to repair the damage done by his predecessor. However, we also want to highlight that this executive hire comes without insight on Vez's promise to redefine the leadership of the editorial department and avoid having a singular creative officer. And there's some quotes from him in here. One of them is I will take on the CCO role temporarily as we work to define and organize the leadership of the editorial department. During this time, I will also personally oversee a complete overhaul of the way in which this team works. My goal is to create an inclusive and open culture that embraces more diverse and multidisciplinary expertise. The letter continues. There is no clear expression of the creative process, and there is a shocking lack of diversity in the VPs. We acknowledge the hiring of BioJade Adam Granger, but not much progress has been made beyond that, especially given that two additional VPs were meant to be hired. As it stands, the creative team at Ubisoft is composed of white people who are uniform of uniform cultural backgrounds. This leaves us with a lack of confidence in the future shape of the editorial team. With Patrick Plourd... I might be mispronouncing that, continuing to remain in his role as VP editorial despite the multiple misconduct reports filed against him while Serge Haskoet's... Might be mispronouncing that. Former right-hand person is still involved in the recruitment of high-level creative positions. So that's not going well over there either. I have an article here from NASDAQ, which I would normally ignore because I don't understand stocks and things like that and largely don't care. However, this is about Activision Blizzard, and it's titled Activision Blizzard Enters Oversold Territory. This was posted on September 7th. So there's just a couple of paragraphs here. And the writer, I'm not sure who wrote it. There's, it's not a name. It looks like a title or something. Legendary investor Warren Buffett advises to be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. One way we can try to measure the level of fear in a given stock is through a technical analysis indicator called the Relative Strength Index. Yada, yada. In trading on Tuesday, shares of Activision Blizzard Inc. entered into oversold territory, hitting an RSI reading of 29 point 99 after changing hands as low as $77 and 89 cents per share by comparison the current rsi reading of the s&p 500 eft is 62.4 so basically their stock is dropping and there's a little chart here that's really showing that um yeah that's where they're at they're oversold i i've never heard of oversold someone out there that knows more than me can probably explain it to other people <laughs> i guess but it ain't good it really ain't good at the same time, though, Blizzard is still hiring. Somehow. Um, yeah. So there's someone named Melissa Meyer, and she wrote on Twitter, looking for all levels of project managers to join the planning and strategy team for Battle.net. No game industry experience requ- needed. We believe in a diverse team, safe-slash-inclusive dev environment and work-life balance. Um, and there's someone that you can link to if you want to get in on that type of job, but You know, there you go. Says we're also open to remote work or work out of our Irvine or Austin offices. There's a link to the... uh To the job offering. IGN has an article. They've been writing a lot about uh, video game companies lately. And they have... uh, Well, I'll just go to the article. It was posted on September 7th. Ubisoft employee group says CCO appointment leaves them with a lack of confidence. I kind of read you their letter. So you kind of have some of that in this article. But it's also... It's pretty much just the article. It's it's a little bit more than what was in the letter. It does mention... um, you know, some of the stuff I already said, but if you want to read it for a little more detail, I'll put it in the show notes and you can get some more of that. In between last episode of Shadow Soulstone and this one, Diablo has released little videos on a couple more classes for Diablo 2 Resurrected. One of them is the, uh, I think it's the Necromancer. Let me see if I can look at this and not get a lot of noise here. I think it's the Necromancer. or Maybe they're just posting a lot of faces on that one. So maybe that's what that one was, but there's definitely an assassin that they showed That's another one, little video of it. To continue on, like I said, mixed bag hair today. I'm trying to do it chronological, and hopefully this sort of works, but there's someone named Jessica at BlizzJess that's been writing a lot about trying to get Blizzard Activision King to do the right thing, basically. And she has provided a quote from someone the quote says quote the goal that i had in bringing a lot of the packaged goods folks into activision about 10 years ago was to take all the fun out of making video games and quote the quote is from robert kotick ceo of activision blizzard some people in the comments are going yeah that's what he did all right basically you know um i'm not sure where it's from i'm kind of skimming through the thread here to see if there's like more to that but she's been pretty reliable and I don't think she's making it up. I'll have to look more to see if that's what he said. But it does sure sound like something he would say, you know. A Better ABK has created a reddit.com r slash abetterabk to better connect with the community. So if you enjoy using Reddit, you can connect with ABK or A Better ABK there and um, post comments and all of the stuff you would do on other social media as well. They have it. If you like that platform best, there you go. And then there's a tweet from Method, which I don't normally pay much attention to because it's esports and I, uh, I have chronic illnesses that make me too exhausted to do things most of the time. So I know if it's going to be an esports thing and it's live, I'm going to miss it. I know it. So I don't really pay much attention to it. But this one, um, Method is announcing that they are going to do the Race to World First for Diablo 2 Resurrected. And it says that they are showcasing incredible talent of at Mr. Lama SC and his team as they race to world first. There's a link to this as well with a little bit more information because that was just their tweet. And um, let's see. We will be celebrating the launch of Diablo 2 Resurrected. Get rid of it, a video that popped up. It might make noise. Okay. Uh, we will be celebrating the launch of Diablo 2 Resurrected by teaming up with the popular Diablo Diablo 2 influencer, Mr. Llama, to host a launch party in the hours leading up to the release of the game on the 23rd of September at 5 p.m. CET. It's going to be on Twitch. It's Twitch. Dot tv slash method alongside this event and for the first time ever we're happy to allow you to have your own watch parties and co-stream our event on your own channel there's some details about it uh they're going to be the on-air talent will take the audience through iconic moments in diablo's history discussing important topics about how diablo 2 has come to be such an iconic game participating with fun trivia and mr llama and his team and much much more Uh, with Mr. Lama and his team and much, much more. The launch party will conclude moments before the race to world first begins, where the team will be fighting their way through the maze of dungeons, catacombs, and caves that lead into the depths of hell. (laughs) The team will be aiming to achieve world first in the clearance of all five acts of Diablo II resurrected, starting on normal mode, progressing through nightmare into hell mode. During this time, they'll be aiming to be the world first of... team of players to clear all of the bosses where afterwards the race will culminate once the team takes on the Ubers with the intention of also achieving the world first clear there. And then there's details about Diablo 2 Resurrected. So that might actually be kind of exciting to watch um, if I can remember to do it. (laughs) So it'd be kind of neat. I've heard that a lot of people do world first when a new dungeon or whatever opens up in uh, World of Warcraft. I don't usually pay attention to those because I don't know what's going on in those. But this, I don't know, maybe I'll try or I'll try to catch like the videos of it or something like that, if I can. Diablo posted a little video. or It's, it's actually a GIF and it says, the tweet says, explore hell in more ways than ever before. It's got a little emoji of a console controller and it says, learn how Diablo 2 Resurrected was adapted from PC to console. There's a link to that. Um, and it's a pretty long thing but i think it's kind of interesting it's called bringing the original diablo 2 experience to console let's see so they were talking to designer director robert gallerani to share the development team's approach wh- and experience trying to adapt this pc classic to contemporary consoles let's see i'm just going to skim this a bit but i'll let you i'll link to it so you can read the whole thing but Part of it in here is something I'm going to read. Uh, so what happens when we bring the game to a platform it has never existed on before? Bringing a game initially built for keyboard and mouse on a PC to console brought up many questions that we needed to answer, especially with a console player's play style in mind. Because our vision is to preserve the classic experience, we started with what we couldn't change. Having cross-progression gave us a robust set of restrictions and guidelines to adhere to. Because of this, while we couldn't make any game changes, we focused on changing how the content can be experienced on a new platform. The first and most obvious change is the way that a console player plays the game, namely with a controller. With a keyboard and mouse, the player acts as an eye in the sky, telling the character what to do and where to go by clicking somewhere. Do you perform a ranged ability on a monster? Do you walk over to a chest and open it? Perhaps you open a door. With the mouse, the player's primary input is a click that conveys aiming on a aiming or a specific ability or action. The game then guides the character to the place where it can perform the action, finding a path for you. However, on a controller, the player more directly acts as their as their character. This starts to have serious ramifications at many levels for design, but to our players, it just all needs, quote, to work. Um, so, Playing on a controller, movement is bound to the thumbstick, so the player, rather than the game, will direct where the character moves. For this to work, we turned off the game's pathfinding on console, and as a result players can now travel the places in the game world would have never guided you before. An example of this is a player now being able to run their character into a wall or move against collision objects. With this freedom of movement, it's easier to avoid attacks from enemies. Beyond determining where to go, you also need to determine how fast you go. Diablo has a stamina framework. This implies that there are two methods of movement walking and running at the point when your stamina drains you can no longer run we wanted to have this framework work in parallel with players assumptions that when you push the thumbstick a bit you move a modest amount when you push it as far as possible you move at maximum speed walking gives your character better stats in the game so it was critical we made it simple for players to control this we went with the toggle as it preserved the conscious decision of opting to walk rather than to run this was imperative for looting however more on that later and then there's targeting on the controller that they that they did stuff with. It's a little bit different than on a mouse. Um, let's see. So uh, not having a cursor was a big difference between the PC and the console. This means you don't have any way to direct the game on what to target and attack. To address this with the thumbstick on the controller, we are continually examining the play field with an enormous cone and prioritizing targets at many levels, including monsters, items, objects you can interact with, different players, your corpse... I've had that happen, and more. <laughs> Additionally, the priorities are tweaked by class. An example of this is the Necromancer. The Necromancer priorities prioritizes corpses more than any other classes do. At one point, we tried showing a player all the different targeting options, but it was incredibly overwhelming on the HUD, so we made the decision to just show the player their class's primary target. Ultimately, even though we don't show a corpse being highlighted, the nearest one is selected because it's closest should the player trigger an ability that requires a corpse. And then lose. On the controller, it's it's different, of course, than on the PC. Uh, for some. Uh, holding a button on controller can be uncomfortable, so we eliminated the need to hold down the item label button, although it's still present. When utilizing a controller, item names are revealed by two factors, time and distance, so if an item is close to a player, it will always be visible. What's more, when an item drops, the name of the item will display on the screen for a brief amount of time. Our next challenge was to decide how a player picks the item up. Using a controller, it just seemed well and good to have the player stroll over to the item. However, this proved to be quite difficult when a monster would detonate into a trove of loot. Yet the player are still needed that one specific item eventually we added the ability for players to pace themselves slowly over loot and stop in the middle of various items on the ground so they could loot the item of their choice, making the looting experience undeniably more open and less hindered and then there's a few other things in here that i 'll let you get to quite a few actually <laughs> you know that 's just some of it and it 's talking about like you know how you can uh, invite your friends in or do a party finder thing and cross-progression and cross-generational play and all this other stuff so um there's a lot it's pretty interesting and i just thought it was you know something to check out before you start playing when this comes out very soon and that's gonna be the end of this episode that i went through probably more quickly than i thought maybe i'm wrong but it was a lot it was a mixed bag And I'm going to close the show now. You have been listening to episode 324 of The Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page, as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. The show is powered by you, the listener. Send in your thoughts, contributions, questions, and feedback to our Twitter at Shattered Stone or Facebook, facebook.com slash Shattered Soulstone. Thank you for listening.